Hello and welcome to Reasonably Fit. We're Jason and Lauren Pack, and this is the podcast for anyone who wants a more thoughtful and grounded approach to health and fitness. If you'd like to support our show, we have a couple discount codes you can use on some of our personal favorite products. The first is our favorite workout footwear, Vivo Barefoot. Vivos are the best of the best when it comes to minimal footwear, and the Primus Lights are the shoes you see us wearing in all of our Instagram content. You can save 10% off your entire purchase with the code PAK10. That's P-A-K-1-0. Just go to www.vivobarefoot.com or click the link in our show notes to get a pair today. The second is for our favorite supplement brand, Legion. We've tried so many different supplement brands over the years, and right now nothing beats Legion. Our current go-tos are the whey protein powder, pulse pre-workout, creatine, and immune support because if you listen to this show, you know our kids are constantly bringing home new viruses from school. We almost always turn down partnership deals because we only ever want to work with brands that we use and love ourselves, and we actually reached out to Legion to partner because we love it so much. You can use code PAC20, that's P-A-K-2-0, for 20% off your first order and then double loyalty points for subsequent orders, which is the equivalent of 10% cash back. Just go to www.legionathletics.com or click the link in our show notes. Using our codes really helps to support our show and it saves you money at the same time, so we think it's a win-win. Okay, with that said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Reasonably Fit. Hi. Oh, Diesel just came up to the to the door. He's like, let me in. Diesel's our dog, by the way. <laughs> um, we're excited to be here today. We're really excited for this episode because we put up a question box on Instagram for beginner lifters and asked, what questions are you afraid to ask? Which I feel like is something that, yeah, like most people don't ask you, like, what are you afraid to ask? Um, and be like, you can be anonymous. You don't have to worry about people like knowing that you don't know something because it can be scary to ask questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're excited to get into that in a little bit. But, but before first. we get into that, no one responded to our question about <laughs> what animal best represents us. Like what mascot would reasonably fit have. Yeah, we are not doing a great job at uh, getting our Instagram page going for reasonably fit. <laughs> I guess we sort of have like a bigger page that we spend a lot more time on, but I was so excited to hear everybody's responses and then it was just radio silence. <laughs> so when we were looking for our mascot, and this is just a hypothetical mascot, it was just a question <laughs> on a branding exercise that we just wanted to kind of Google and just kind of have fun with. And when we looked it up, Lauren was like, and this animal is apparently the friendliest, chillest, like social, like caring animal in the world, apparently. <laughs> Do you want to explain what it is? It's called a capybara. Apparently which, it's a rodent. And apparently it's a rodent. Which <laughs> but a I was, very cute one. I wasn't pumped about, but <laughs> I'm still willing to be a rodent if it's going to be the friendliest, happiest, nicest rodent. I'm actually surprised there's no like... Pixar, maybe there is like a Disney or Pixar equivalent that has like rose in popularity yeah. due to uh, it, it just it looks really cute. <laughs> and it's like universally agreed upon that this is definitely the friendliest animal. Yeah. <laughs> like it came up number one on all the lists. <laughs> um, it was so cute. I keep thinking, I keep meaning, or I keep almost calling it a kookaburra because <laughs> of that song. Yeah. Kookaburra sits <laughs> in the old drum tree. I have Old. no idea what song that is, but I, you don't? I no, I generally know, but I don't know the lyrics at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, capybara. Capybara. That's what we are. Maybe in the future we'll have some sort of merch or something like that. <laughs> capybara merch. Capybara. He looks He's like a little hamster. So adorable. Very cute. Um, and then we were also going to chat about. Oh. Oh well, the other. What are we? The Who other... are we? Why are we? <laughs> 
Well, are you talking about the questionnaire still or are you talking about something else? The the influencer thing. Oh, but the other question that we asked people to answer that nobody answered was <laughs> what TV character represents us as well? Oh, oh, right, right. Nobody answered that either. But you chose Leslie Nope. <laughs> <laughs> which I love because she's like my favorite TV character of all time. I, yeah, I feel like she is your TV personality for sure. <laughs> so anyway, those were our two answers. I said I just wanted to say it because I, we told everyone that we would. Yeah, and everyone's been waiting with bated breath. Clearly, they're very engaged They're in like, this. we don't even want to make a guess because <laughs> we have no idea. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, the, the other controversy, I guess that wasn't controversy, but the current controversy <laughs> that's also not controversy <laughs> or controversial. We did a... Poll, and this is actually because of one of the conversations that we were talking about in the last episode, which was like when somebody asks, What do you do? like asks us what we do, I have no idea how to answer. And it happened again when I was at the dentist two days ago or yesterday. And she was like, Oh, what do you do for work? And I was like, I never, literally never know how to answer this anymore because I always used to be able to just say, I own a gym. And even though we did more than that, it still felt like enough of a differentiator from like, I'm a personal trainer that like, it was more, not to say that there's anything wrong with being just a personal trainer, but I just feel like we do more. So that was easier to say. And then now we don't have the gym. So for a little while I was like, oh, we just closed our gym. And like, (laughs) now I'm like, okay, it's been like two years. I can't just keep saying I used to own a gym. 10 years ago, we just closed the gym. (laughs) So anyway, I put up a question box on Instagram for that as well and said, what do you think that we do? And a lot of people said fitness education or fitness educator, which I really loved that answer. And then a couple of people said you're fitness influencers. So then I put up a follow-up poll and said, are we actually fitness influencers? Because I guess we have a certain connotation when it comes to influencers, what that means. In my head, influencer means you encourage people to purchase products for other companies. As your primary like content generation. Exactly. Yeah. So the reason that you create content on social media is to sell something for either yourself or another company. But mostly I feel like, I guess in my head it was like people get brand deals for a certain amount of time and they just push the whatever that brand deal is for that certain amount of time for whatever, two months, and then they move on to a different brand and they start pushing that brand. And it's not like always things, you know that it's not always things that they actually use, (laughs) that they actually enjoy. So it always just feels a little icky to me to be like, I'm an influencer because I don't feel like we fit in that category. So, but we put up a poll, I was like, maybe we're wrong. And it was literally... 50-50. (laughs) 50-50. <laughs> and people had strong opinions in yeah. either direction. I think people were also clarifying that we do have some level of influence in the health and fitness industry um, and that the term has evolved since it came out yeah. you know, back in the 2010s or 2015s or whenever it came out. And yeah, I do feel like it has evolved. Back then, I feel like people were a lot less ashamed about just spamming their audience (laughs) with discount codes and commission codes and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like people are a little bit more respectful of their audience's time these days. And I feel like content creator is more of like a more of like a respected profession, basically. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. term. And yeah, I've been I've been seeing that more. And I feel like people are really trying to clarify, like, not like an icky influencer, (laughs) but an influencer in terms of you do influence uh, a lot of people in the fitness industry. Yeah, so that and what was interesting. I really appreciate was people were saying like you influence people to have a more positive mindset around health and fitness. Like you influence people to look at fitness in a different way. And I was like, oh, 
Right. There's a different way to influence outside of just selling something. Yeah. And I never associated it, which is ridiculous because the word is literally influencer. <laughs> but I didn't consider just like the level of influence you have can be can make you an influencer. So have you settled on a term that you'd like if you're like stuck in an elevator or Honestly, stuck in a dentist it's chair? It's so funny because when we first were hearing these responses, I was like, oh, fitness educator sounds awesome. I really love that. I was like really kind of ready to go with that. And then I put myself in a position of like somebody random that I just meet is like, what do you do? I still would feel weird saying I'm a fitness educator. <laughs> it seems too like like academia yeah, or yeah. snooty or like, yeah, I just, I feel like I would just say a personal a trainer. trainer. <laughs> <laughs> I know you would, but that's because you're a man of very few words and you just want to end the conversation I, before I just want to end starts. the conversation, move on, and then get on with my day. And Lauren's like always backtracking. I'm like, well... I didn't tell them the exact quite answer and, you know, maybe, maybe they'll be confused. <laughs> I know. And it obviously just doesn't matter. Like when people ask that question, it's pretty much usually a throwaway question to create conversation to just like not be an awkward in silence. silence yeah. um, so I know that it actually doesn't really matter that much. But, but I mean, yeah, sometimes when we are in like, let's say not visiting the dentist or like in an Uber, but like actually in a like a friend group situation and there's someone new in the friend group and you're like chit-chatting like that's when it is like okay how do i actually explain what we even do yeah yeah, yeah I, I do think that's more what it is like i wasn't looking for like the answer that will get people to stop asking questions yeah. it was more like when someone's actually interested then where do i go from yeah there? yeah so Anyway, it was fun. It was a fun conversation. It was really cool to hear all the different perspectives and just like the different ways that people view um, content creators, influencers, people online who have a big following. Because some people were like, you're not an influencer, but you will be perceived as an influencer because of the following that you have. So it's just been interesting to hear how people view um, what makes someone an influencer or not. Or yeah. Not. yeah, super interesting. Now we will go into the qua. Which I am... Oh, you can't call it that anymore. Yeah, I'm very upset because <laughs> it has come to our attention that Mind Pump Media Podcast, and another fitness podcast too, of all things, they apparently have come up with Qua way before <laughs> I did. I'm like, who is ridiculous enough to come up with Qua? We so. need to... Apparently, we need to get on each other's podcast because yeah. that is too weird. I mean, it's... I thought you were so weird for that. And then, I do this all the time to Lauren and she's always rolling her eyes and, <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're going to stick with it. And yeah, the qua. The qua I, I, apparently, it's a thing and I was very late to it. Yeah. So they've already <laughs> established it. So we're going back to the good old Q&A. <laughs> um, Q&A. Q&A. But today is specifically... Quay. Oh my God. <laughs> Someone's going to launch a copyright at us. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Don't come after us, my pump. We'll let you have it. Um, today's Q&A is... No, I can't even say it. I almost said qua. Today's Q&A is geared toward beginners. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, we really want this to be a... And, and maybe this will even be a recurring like uh, theme episode because we get questions like this all the time that are like, this might seem silly, but, and then they ask questions that a lot of other people also want to know who are new to lifting and just aren't really sure about certain things. And so we want to have this episode be for you, for the people who are a little bit newer, or even if you don't consider yourself a beginner, I'm sure you're still going to get some things out of these episodes that you might not have even thought to ask or that do end up being questions that you have and you didn't even realize you had. So 
let's get into it. Yeah. So I think instead of having like a set, like three or four questions, we're going to try to answer as many as we can in a little bit more of a succinct way. And we haven't even talked about any of these questions. So Lauren and I are literally going to scroll through our Instagram Q&A box and just pick ones that we think are relevant for the show and just kind of alternate back and forth. Yeah, we haven't even discussed this previously. So, so we'll, we'll see, see how this goes. Um, and being succinct is not our not our best forte, quality. For sure. <laughs> and definitely capybaras would definitely not be succinct either. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to start with question number one because I love this common question we used to get at Achieve. When you say lift X pounds, is that the plates plus the bar or just the plates? So if we say 135 pounds... Is that adding 135 pounds to the bar or is it 135 pounds total? We would say it's the total amount. And that's pretty much across the board what you're going to see from anybody who's designing a program. So the barbell typically is going to be 45 pounds or 20 kilograms. Um, but there are there is variation within barbells as well. So there are some barbells that are 35 pounds or 15 kilograms. So you want to try to figure out what your barbell weighs and then you're adding weight onto that and lifting the total weight, including the weight of the barbell. Boom. There you go. <laughs> um, another question we got was, how are you meant to breathe slash not breathe when you're bracing your core for lifts? And so we have, generally speaking, two different ways we go about this. One is for when you're not using too challenging of a weight, uh, relatively speaking. And so for let's say you're just doing goblet squats or lunges or chest presses, things that don't require a ton of bracing and breath holding, all we recommend you do is to inhale during the lower down phase and then exhale on the actual exertion phase. So let's say you are doing a push-up, you would be lowering down and you're going to be inhaling, ideally through your nose, and then as you press yourself back up, you're going to be exhaling. Let's say for a lat pull down you're going to be exhaling as you bring the bar down towards your chest and then inhaling as you're bringing the bar back up. For a squat, inhale as you lower down, exhale as you go back up. Now, there comes a point, and your body will naturally tell you when this is gonna happen, is when the weight starts to get challenging, your body will tense up naturally a bit more and your core will need to brace a little bit more to brace against heavier loads. When this is naturally occurring, this is where the Valsalva maneuver and using more of a breath-holding strategy might make more sense. And so, for example, let's say a heavy squat. You're doing a set of five heavy-ish reps. What you'd want to do is at the very top of your squat, you're going to take a deep inhale, hold your breath, brace your core, come down, hold your breath still, and then come up, still holding your breath, and then close to the very top, that's when you sharply exhale. And so one great analogy that I've heard for this is imagine that you have, you're, you're squatting in a lake and the water is up to like, let's say your chest height. What you're thinking about is you're taking a deep breath and then you're squatting and diving down underneath the water. You're getting all the way down to the bottom. And then as you stand back up, once you're out of the water, once you're out of that chest tight water position, that's when you actually exhale. And it's just a great way to develop some more intra-abdominal stability, get a good breath, and just helps to stay really stiff and stable as you go through more challenging lifts. And so those are kind of our two approaches with breathing. Perfect. All right. Next question. 
very intimidated about transitioning from dumbbells to barbells, especially in a deadlift. And this is similar. There's other similar ones. How do you how do you go from dumbbells to barbells? That came up a couple different times. So um, this one can definitely be very tricky, especially depends on like where you lift. If you're lifting at home, it will be a lot less intimidating because you don't have to worry about space or sharing or people looking at you like obviously if you're lifting at home it's going to be a lot simpler but for the most part people are probably thinking about transitioning from using the dumbbell rack in their gym where you kind of like you know kind of you have your own little space near a bench and you're just doing your deadlifts there to going over to the squat rack area and figuring out how to start doing deadlifts with a barbell um so a couple things some gyms are going to have designated deadlifting platforms. So take a look around at your gym and see if you see like basically a wood platform that will have two little rubber sides. That's a, a designated deadlifting area. Um, some gyms won't have this, but if your gym has it, then you know that basically that's where to go to set up your barbell. And when you get when you see that, you can bring an empty barbell over there and start with if they have hopefully bumper plates, try to start with 10 pound bumper plates. So the bumper plate is going to be the same size no matter what weight it is. So whether it's 10, 25, or 45 pounds, they're going to be the same diameter. And what we want to do is just look for that larger size but lighter weight plate loaded up on your barbell and just start by just loading a bar going over to the designated area and doing some reps. You don't have to worry about doing it perfectly within a program. You don't have to worry about the right amount of weight. It really is just about feeling comfortable enough in the space to take up space and actually go start to do that lift. Because I think that that is often the most intimidating part. If your gym doesn't have a designated platform for deadlifts, usually that means you just need to find some open floor space. And it's usually going to be around the squat racks, but not necessarily in a squat rack because you don't need the rack itself to deadlift. So you don't actually really want to, unless you have to, you don't really want to take up a full squat rack to do your deadlifts because somebody can't do back squats, for instance, just in an open area. They have to have the rack, whereas you can do deadlifts in an open area because you just set it up and go. So that's something to be aware of as well. Try not to take up a, a full rack, either just a platform or just some open floor space. Yeah, I remember when we were working out at a, it was like a commercial gym during the pandemic. It was called Blink Fitness. And their floor layout was kind of interesting. Mm. Um, they had a lot of great machines and all that, but their open space was pretty minimal. And yeah. so I remember I would just like bring my barbell over and just kind of like wedge myself like diagonally in between like two benches and two squat racks and just kind of like do it from there. And so sometimes, yeah, you do kind of have to like make space happen and understand that as long as no one is in like like you're not going to be dropping the barbell on anyone or <laughs> you're you're keeping safety at the forefront like you're basically good to go. Yeah, I think it it can be intimidating when you're not walking up to a piece of equipment that's already there. Like mm, you need to yeah. create your own space. So that can feel intimidating, but once your barbell is there, you've created the that's space. space yeah. And so just be okay with that and just obviously try not to put it like in the middle of where people walk through or like try yeah. to be aware of that. But for the most part, people are going to be working around where other people are working. So yeah. Um, now the other side of this is the intimidation might not be about the environment, but it might actually be about the lift itself. So it might be that you're comfortable doing RDLs with two dumbbells, but you're not so comfortable about 
the barbell deadlift itself, right? Or you're comfortable doing uh, two dumbbell bench press, but you're not quite comfortable doing a barbell bench press. And it, and when that's the case, what we really want to think about is making sure that you're getting strong enough, basically, for the lifts to be done with a barbell plus plates. So you have to know that you can deadlift comfortably at least 65 pounds total, so a little bit more than 30 pounds in each hand, in order to then comfortably be able to pick up a 45-pound bar with two 10-pound plates on each side, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly the same. It's not exactly the same, I will say, because I actually think that deadlifting two 35-pound dumbbells is probably harder than deadlifting yeah. a 65-pound barbell. Um, but at least it needs to be close. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be close to the point of being strong enough to actually just pick up that barbell to make that transition feel a little bit more seamless. Yeah, and like take for example the dumbbell bench press example, like if you are able to dumbbell bench press 25 to 30 pound dumbbells, that's actually harder, like you were just saying, than a 45 pound bench press with the bar. And you actually have built up a lot of stability throughout your shoulder to try to keep those in the right position as you're lowering up and down. And so when you go to the bar, it's actually going to feel a little bit easier. Yeah. And I think when you are transitioning to the bar, it's just, you know, don't be afraid to just use the bar mm. to begin with. And I think there's this like feeling like you're feel, you are you feel silly if all you're doing is benching the bar. Like I remember some people expressed that at our gym and it's like, no, this is this is still 45 pounds in your hand. Like it's still an appreciable amount of weight and you still need to work up to things. And so don't be afraid to start with the bar and also be confident in that you have built up the strength where if you've done 20 to 25 pounds in each hand, like then you can obviously handle this bar. Right. And so there's nothing, uh, you kind of have to shift your mindset. Like instead of being intimidated by it, think, okay, this is just the next step. I'm ready for this next step. Yeah, and this is just going to allow you to continue to get stronger because there is like a point with dumbbells where it's hard to continue to progress. But grip becomes a factor, especially with something like deadlifts, like the handles get thicker as the weights Mm. get heavier and it's just becomes untenable basically to like continue (laughs) to go heavier. Um, Whereas with the barbell, you can use a mixed grip or you can even use straps. Like there are ways to get around grip being the limiting factor with a barbell more so than with dumbbells. Um, So it is great to be able to make that transition, but just make sure that you're meeting yourself where you're at and you're not trying to jump right to using 45 pound plates on each side, whether you're doing a squat or a deadlift or a bench press, you can do just the bar like Jason said, or those 10 pound bumper plates, just gradually into getting comfortable with the lift with the barbell. Yeah, and actually going along with this point, there were a ton of different questions about the possibility of getting hurt. Mm. And that is something that we want to talk about because I do feel like you hear, like I feel like you rarely hear about like the benefits of strength training from just like your friends and everyday life. But you always hear about like, oh, I hurt my back while doing this or I tweaked my shoulder while doing this. And it's always revolving around something active. And you can kind of get in your head about like, oh, if I do that, then I'll hurt my back. If I do kettlebells, I'll hurt my back. If I do that, then I hurt my shoulder and all that sort of stuff. But it's like, you know, if you have been training regularly and you've built up to, again, this example of like 20 to 25 pound dumbbells, going to a bar suddenly doesn't magically increase your injury risk. Mm. Uh, In fact, I think it's probably less of a risk to go to a empty bar than it is to use 20 to 25 dumbbells in each hand. And I remember when I first started out, I had pretty 
you know, not textbook form, I would say. <laughs> and I would feel a lot of things in my lower back. But, it, you know, it takes a lot to actually injure yourself. Yeah. It takes a lot of volume at a very not ideal posture, not optimal posture in order for that to happen. And so I think, I mean, the main point that I'm trying to get across right now is that your body is more resilient than you actually believe. And just by doing one deadlift with slightly incorrect form or suboptimal form isn't going to blow your back out. Like that's just not going to happen. And so I think everyone who is experienced with lifting has gone through a period where they're just trying to figure out their body and work on their form and all that and have developed bad habits and they're totally fine on the other side of it. And so you can always work on your form thereafter and tweak and get better and all that, but your body won't just snap because you did a incorrect squat or an incorrect deadlift. Yeah, I I think that you can use discomfort, soreness that doesn't feel like good soreness, like as information Mm -hmm. and you can... Take that because like like you're saying, like if you do one set of deadlifts with a slightly rounded back, like you're most likely, unless you already have something pre-existing going on, you're not going to all of a sudden be injured and be out for months. Like you're just going to have a sore back the next day. Mm-hmm. So now you have the sore back the next day and you use that as information. You basically say, I must not have been doing something totally right because I shouldn't be in pain the next day. I could be sore. Soreness is very different. But if there's like joint pain or discomfort, things like that, okay, I probably shouldn't be feeling that way. So now let me reevaluate my form. And now let me think about how I could do this in a different way. Mm. And then you could start looking up. I mean, YouTube has a lot of information on it. And so does Instagram, but it's a little bit harder to search. So I would say go to YouTube and say like proper deadlift form. (laughs) Yeah. Proper lunge form. And then just start looking at what they're doing and what you're doing and seeing if there are any ways that you can make these micro adjustments to your stance, to your positioning, whether it's your hand position, your foot position. There are little tweaks that are going to make everything feel better, but you don't have to be so afraid, like you're saying, about like one like toe pointed in the wrong direction. I'm going to injure myself and I'm going to all of a sudden not be able to ever lift again. Like that's very unlikely. Yeah. And I think going back to that point of what you made of just treating it as information and just treating it very logically in terms of, okay, I have a little tweak here or this didn't feel great the day after. Like, okay, I'll note that for next time so I can adjust something. And this is what happened at our gym quite a bit where people would walk in and then they'll say, you know, I did lateral raises last week and it hurt my shoulders. I don't think I should do lateral raises. Or I did tricep extensions and it hurt my elbow, so I don't think I should do tricep extensions anymore. And it's like, okay, well, you did lateral raises with 25 pounds. Let's try it with 15 pounds. And they're like, this feels actually totally fine. So it's like, so it's not lateral raises that hurt your shoulders. It just happened to be 25 pounds for three sets of 10 that hurt your shoulders. But maybe if we did 25 pounds for three sets of seven, that (laughs) might feel totally fine. And so it's always just about monitoring the volume and the dosage and the weights a little bit. There's always little changes that you can make. But I remember people would come in and they would think that there was something wrong with them, that they were weak, that they were broken, that their shoulders were bad or their back were bad. And all you need to do is just take this information, make slight little micro adjustments, and then you can make the exercise successful for you again. Yeah. 
All right, next question. What's your definition of an quote-unquote intermediate lifter without referencing an arbitrary strength table? Mm. So this is a great one, especially because there's so many blanket recommendations out there of like, you're not strong or you're not an advanced lifter. If you can't deadlift two times your body weight, you know, one and a half times your bench press, two times, like all these sorts of variables. And they're so different dependent on the person and their body types and their limb lengths and their injury history, like all that sort of stuff really go into play here. And so I think this is a a great uh, question to ask because let's get rid of all these like arbitrary numbers and just like take it for face value. What kind of makes up, what are the qualities that make up a beginner lifter and more of an intermediate slash advanced lifter? And I would say the first like telltale sign that someone is still in the beginner stage is if they are still readily able to make progressive overload gains very easily. Like every single week they can go up in reps, they can go up in weight, they're getting stronger. Like all the quantitative numbers and qualitative too are just like, just they continue to go up and up and up and it seems like they haven't hit their ceiling at all. Mm -hmm. I'd say you are in more of an intermediate stage as soon as you hit your first plateau and you ha- you have to start getting more strategic with your programming. And you have you start to have to think about like 12 or 16 week cycles to really try to eke out gains basically. Yeah. So that's kind of where I see it. A beginner will get gains really easily and an intermediate those gains start to really slow down. And I would say you would be an expert, and Lauren and I aren't experts actually yet at strength (laughs) training. These are people that need to take multiple cycles in order to eke out additional gains. So it would take half a year to a year plus to just get some incremental increases in their lifetime PRs and stuff like that. Like this is, we're talking... Professional power professional lifters. Professional power lifters, yeah. yeah. Professional Olympic weightlifters, just Olympians. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like in, in that sort of category of lifter where you really need to map out everything perfectly to a T, have nutrition, recovery, sleep, everything dialed in just to get those incremental gains, that's when you're an expert. So the vast majority of people are going to be in this sort of intermediate area where after a 12 to 16 week cycle, they'll see some good progress. Yes, that's perfect. Now I do think that it can be a little bit confusing if you're a beginner and you're not following a program because it can be hard to know how to progressively overload. Mm. So you could think that those gains stop earlier than they might necessarily need to if your only understanding of progressive overload is add weight weight every week Mm. because that will stop pretty soon Mm -hmm. if you just are doing like, okay, I'm going to do goblet squats and I'm going to add five pounds every week to my three sets of 10 indefinitely, you're going to be, if you're going by what you explained, you're going to be an intermediate lifter by 12 weeks because like there's no way you can keep going with three sets of 10. So the understanding too that that's all within the context of somebody who is following a program that already has progressive overload built into it Mm -hmm. because you aren't going to do three sets of 10 and add five pounds forever. You're going to do three sets of 10, adding five pounds for about four weeks, and then you're going to go down to three sets of eight and continue adding, and then to three sets of six and continue adding. And then you might do a slightly different variation and go back up to sets of 12 or 10. So there is some... um, more like strategy behind Mm. programming for a newer lifter that is going to still make it like, I would say probably a year-ish of 
lifting consistently on a program before you kind of break into that intermediate category. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yep. All right. Next question. How can you get less shy about equipment use slash taking up space in the gym? So this is very common. This is something actually we did a whole episode on gym intimidation or overcoming mm. gym intimidation. So definitely check that episode out for like a very in-depth uh, look at this particular question. But main things to consider here. Number one is Everyone in the gym pays the same amount to be at the gym and take up the same amount of space. So knowing going in, knowing that whether you are new that day and you're working out next to somebody who's been going there for years, you're both paying the same amount to be in that space and you both have the same right to use that equipment. So nobody has more right to use a squat rack than you do just because they've been lifting longer. Nobody has more right to a bench just because they've been going to that gym longer. So keep that in mind just as a baseline understanding that everybody has the right to use everything. And then when you are thinking like, okay, I understand that, but in action, I'm still shy. I'm still intimidated. There's a couple of things that you can do. Number one is to create a little mini area for yourself where you can do one or two or three lifts in that same space without having to move around the gym. This was one of the things that Lucy Mountain, we did an episode with her probably almost a year ago at this point. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, one of the things that she recommended that I loved so much was for beginners, grab a pair of dumbbells and just do your whole workout in one area of the gym. That way you are not trying to share equipment. You're not trying to work in with people. You're not potentially losing your place. You're just doing all of your workout in that one area. And you can, in that time, you can sort of start to assess like what's going on in the rest of the gym. Start looking around at what the etiquette actually is in your space and just get a better understanding for how things go once you're ready to then start branching out into using different pieces of equipment, working in with people, sharing. But to start, if you are someone who's intimidated, just setting aside a little bit of space, putting your water bottle there and just being like, this is my territory right now and I'm just going to use this space and this space only. It just helps to get started. Yeah. When, when she said that, it was definitely like, a, oh, yeah, of course. Like, that's such a great way to put it because we're always we're always talking about how the suboptimal, the less ideal way is often better than the optimal slash ideal way if it helps you to get going, if it helps you to be consistent and sustainable. And so if that is the difference between someone sticking on their fitness journey versus following the perfect optimal plan and using barbells and a variety of weights and a variety of machines, like then that is going to be the better plan for that person. Yeah. And it's just so... It was definitely like a, oh, yes, like that's such a, such a great point to make. And on that note, have you seen all these posts that are like shy girl workout? Yeah. Like, well, what what is that about? <laughs> I think it's people who are cooler than us. I don't know. I think it's Gen Z. <laughs> I'm like shy girl workout. And it's like, and it's, it's like a, a workout. standard workout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be something along these lines where you're like kind of like in the corner somewhere like doing some, but they're like using machines and barbells. And I'm like, okay, this this is just branding? Like <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Is there anything else besides shy? I feel like I've only seen shy. It's always shy, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put together a shy boy workout tomorrow. <laughs> you are a shy boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start a movement. The shy boys out there. <laughs> anyway, okay. All right, next one. What if I don't like lifting to failure or even two reps short of failure? 
is lifting a waste of time for me? No, that's great. <laughs> it's a great question because everything on social media these days, well, not everything, but a lot of social media posts are like, if you don't look like this at the end of your set, and they're like just going through grueling, like complete, Shaking. yeah, just like dying at the end of their set. If you don't look like this, then like you're not training hard enough and yeah. you're not going to get good results. And, you know, I feel like people can make these points without being so extreme. Like, <laughs> like sometimes you should try to push yourself to failure. Like that would be a great way to put it. <laughs> um, but I would say for the vast majority of our lifting careers, we, we didn't really even go to failure, I would no. say. I would say actually we stopped well short of failure. And we made plenty of gains because we followed basic principles of progressive overload where over the course of weeks and months, we strive to get stronger. We strive to achieve better form, perform harder variations on exercises. Basically, our goal was to just push the needle forward without necessarily going to failure. And it did really well for us. <laughs> yeah, it's so not like something that you absolutely have to do or you won't make progress in the gym. And I think that's how it, it tends to be positioned. But it's like, I think that there are benefits to it. And I think we've been discovering more and more that we actually do find it valuable at certain times, like when you're doing a single joint exercise and you have the capacity to push a little bit further than you might be comfortable with. Like, it's good to get yourself out of your comfort zone every once in a while. And like those things, but that's also because we already enjoy lifting mm -hmm. and we, we've already been doing this for so long that it almost feels like, ooh, we're like kind of exploring something a little bit new, a little bit different for ourselves than we what we have been doing. So that now feels exciting and, and fun for us. But it absolutely doesn't mean that you have to or that you won't make progress without shaking and going to failure. <laughs> like there's just, there's just no truth to that. And just like what you were saying earlier, like the best program isn't necessarily like the most perfect, precise, put together program. It's the one that you're going to actually do most consistently. So if you are and not- enjoy. And enjoy. Yeah, sorry. That's that's the main point. <laughs> because what I was going to say next is if you're not enjoying it, if you're not liking what you're doing and you're doing you're forcing yourself through it because you think you you should, you think you're supposed to, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to maintain that forever. Like you need to be able to find something that you enjoy. And oftentimes then that leads you kind of like I was just saying, then it leads you into trying other things or going down different avenues and being like exploring a little bit more with different protocols and different methodologies. But you have to start out by like, you have to have some buy-in. Like you have to like, you have to like it mm -hmm. in order to even then get to the point of wanting to go down different paths and explore other options. Yeah. And I, you know, I will say that there are some like, you know, minute benefits in terms of pushing a failure in terms of a hypertrophy benefit like you are recruiting more muscle fibers at the end of that set when you are pushing to just absolute maximal failure but it's also just pigeonholing strength training is the only benefit being hypertrophy right, right. there's so many other benefits to to look for and when you are pushing a failure we typically like to go to failure when it's like a single joint exercise like Lauren mentioned, or if you're on a machine like a leg extension or a calf raise, something where you're very safe and stable. Um, but if you're to apply going to failure on, let's say, a squat or a deadlift or a bench press or something along these lines, it would just wipe out your body for mm -hmm. the rest of the training session at a minimum. But for me, if I did it like an absolute like go to failure set of squats to like 12 or 15 or 20, like 
that would wreck my week of training. (laughs) Like my legs would be shot for the entire week, probably even to the next week as well. And so it's not good from a longevity standpoint. And so just to put these blanket recommendations out there of like, if you're not looking like this and they're like shaking, like convulsing, like (laughs) then you're not training hard enough. Like that is just too, that is uh, detrimental, I think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Last question. We actually were able to squeeze a bunch of these in. Yeah, not pretty, too bad. Pretty proud of us. We didn't get too wordy. <laughs> um, okay, last question. What if my form is terrible and I look like a fool, but no one tells me? Saddest question. Oh, <laughs> but I think this is a fear that a lot of people have, like basically the fear of doing things wrong and people noticing that they're doing it wrong. Yeah, right? yeah. And silently like ridiculing basically. Yeah, which yeah. I do think in general happens a lot less than you might think. Even if you are doing something really wrong, most likely people aren't even noticing. Yeah, and honestly, I would say, I mean, working at a commercial gym for uh, three years or so, like I would say most people <laughs> have suboptimal form. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Most people are ego lifting and yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. And and most people in the gym aren't experts, so they wouldn't know if you're doing something wrong or right. They're just doing, trying to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, so number one is try not to worry about what other people think and let that sort of fear of other people's opinions about you or what you're doing, try to let that go. Um, But if you are worried about your form, you know, I will say this kind of brings up a funny conversation around advice and unsolicited advice because this person's almost saying like, what what if somebody won't give me unsolicited (laughs) advice? (laughs) And like most people are like, please don't give me unsolicited advice, right? So this person's more concerned that like they might be doing something wrong and no one tells them. But for the most part, people don't want to be just given random unsolicited advice because a lot of people are doing things that they are comfortable with and feel like they're doing it correctly and then somebody comes up and tries to like explain to them why they're doing it wrong and it feels very uncomfortable to Mm -hmm. receive to be on the receiving end of unsolicited advice now in this person's case they're worried that somebody basically won't give them unsolicited advice even if they see them doing it wrong in that case it sounds more like you want guidance like you want advice and so instead of hoping for unsolicited advice or hoping that some random person's just going to walk up to you and tell you you're doing that wrong here let me show you how to do it right it's more about seeking out the guidance that you want from the type of person that you want it from which is most likely a trainer or a coach <laughs> or somebody who is actually well versed in the exercise that you're doing. And so in this case, I mean, there are different ways that you can get that advice, right? Or different ways that you can get that guidance. And so one would be to actually hire a trainer. And obviously that's the most cost prohibitive option. But if you have the option, even if it's just to do one or two sessions to learn some exercises that you have questions about, or just say, can I take you through the workout I'm doing and have you watch me and have Mm. you assess my form? Like there are trainers who will absolutely do that and just give you the time, their expertise in terms of form and in terms of making sure that you're doing everything safely and correctly. So that's an option. You can just buy a single session and do something like that. Yeah, I think that's such a worthwhile investment. I mean, if you think about learning anything, like if you were going to take golf lessons or tennis lessons, you would at least have a couple lessons with some sort of instructor just to get you started on the right foot for sure. For sure. And obviously, if you can work with a trainer more long term, 
it's going to be even better because you're going to be able to, they're going to then be able to help you progress the movements and, and make progress from there. But if the cost is a prohibitive factor, one or two sessions is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. If that still is a little bit out of reach, the other option is to join a community where you can post videos of your lifts and ask for feedback. So this is something that we do with the Rise group. We have a Facebook community for people who are doing Rise so that they can post videos and say, can I get some feedback on my deadlift? And then other people within the community can help. And then, of course, Jason and I can help. And just everybody kind of coming together in a supportive, constructive feedback type of way, as opposed to people on the internet randomly critiquing (laughs) your form. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, like you're putting it out there saying, I would like feedback on this, as opposed to like, here's my deadlift. I'm so proud of it. And then having random people just come in and be like, oh, you rounded your back. Oh, you did this wrong. Like that feels awful. But when you're in a community that already has that foundation of support and you know that this is a safe space to ask for advice and ask for guidance, that whole process feels a lot more positive. Yeah, so it can be helpful to have some sort of like digital program to follow and then see if there's an associated Facebook group or Discord or something along those lines where you can interact with other people because you know that if they're following the same workouts, then they probably have a similar mindset and they're kind of like in that same sort of culture and community. Um, And I would say there's some other ones out there. Like I just mentioned Discord, but Discord has a bunch. Um, I know Reddit has a bunch of uh, different communities as as well that, that offer like a safe space where people can post their lifts and have people just give nice, constructive, supportive criticism, not just unsolicited and negative, destructive criticism, I would say. (laughs) Um, I think one of the Reddit pages is called slash XX Fitness. I'm not exactly sure how Reddit works, but I stumbled upon them a little while ago, XX Fitness, and it just seemed like a really good supportive community. So definitely check that out if you're into Reddit. Um, But yeah, just search for online groups in some capacity and find fellow gym goers that will be supportive. Yeah. All right. So I think that that's what we can get to for today. That was fun. I like doing that. Yeah, that was actually great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We already knew that we liked Q&A, but I liked having it be about something uh, more specific than just kind of like a broad supplements and then lift this specific lift and like kind of like being all over the place like it was fun to have this one be a little bit more geared toward a specific population when it's broad we'll call it a qua when it's more specific we'll call it a we'll call it a quay (laughs) damn it i messed up (laughs) i'm leaving that in (laughs) um before we go today i want to thank you again for leaving ratings and reviews we're actually almost at 300 ratings we're at 291 and we're actually at 400 on spotify oh my goodness that feels great i feel like a short-term goal over 300 for iTunes. That would feel great. That would be amazing. And over 500 for Spotify. Yeah. For all you Spotify folks. Spotify seems easier to do the hit the five stars. Like just just tap it. Just tap it. You're done. So if you're listening on Spotify, no excuses. Hashtag no excuses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then for those who have been leaving reviews, I know that takes a lot more time and effort. So thank you so much. I'm going to read a couple that we've just gotten in. This one is from Jazzy Monster been following Lauren and Jason on social media for some time, just discovered their podcast, and it's already my new favorite fitness podcast. Their content goes beyond fitness. They bring well-rounded, balanced philosophies for overall health and wellness. Can't wait to binge all episodes and learn more. Thank you, Jazzy. Um, next one, amazing content. Y'all's podcast replaced my playlist during my workout. So much good information and so much positivity. Please keep the content coming. That was from Bagram, Bagram Dunks. 
Um, Anyway, I won't bore you by continuing to read a bunch of reviews, but again, it really does mean a lot. It really does help us move this podcast forward. We every time we get new reviews and ratings, we go up a little bit in the health and fitness ratings, like in terms of where we fall, how people can discover us. um, The higher up we are in like the popularity of the podcasts within health and fitness, the more likely it is to have more people find us and yeah, follow more reasonable approach to health and fitness. Yeah. All right, so I believe that is all we have for you today. So until next time, sweat out. Happiness in.